Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and we're just waiting for one other camera to come on, and we will proceed with today's show. Uh, good afternoon. I am Charlie Pacello, the host of the council here on www.kuhsdenver.com. It's kuhsdenver.com, broadcasting the best music and programs. Not only here in Colorado, but uh, all over the nation and around the world. Uh, I also want to make a quick announcement uh, or to our sponsors. Uh, the sponsors of the show are Remax Alliance. If you want to buy a home in Colorado, you got to go to these guys. I know them personally. They've been longtime friends of mine. Go to www.homesincolorado.com. That's homesincolorado.com. You want to buy your dream home, you want to sell your home, you want to uh, just uh, get, get your first home. These are the people that you want to go to. Uh, they are people of integrity and honesty, and they will do right by you. So go to homesincolorado.com. If you want to buy a home, they're the people to go to. Today we're going to have, uh, you know, there's so much going on in the world, and, uh, you know, we've got all these questions about... Uh, you know, personal integrity and accountability, and there's things going on with, uh, you know, the Catholic Church. Uh, unfortunately, there's been revelations of more um, crimes and uh, moral uh, uh, failures by a lot of the priests. And, uh, we're looking at our political world as well, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, where do we, how do we hold people accountable? How do we hold people accountable to the things that they do if we can't hold ourselves accountable to our own stuff? And it's, uh, it's this line, this fine line about how do we find our own kind of esteem that helps us to navigate uh, these very perilous times. And so today we're going to talk about making empowered choices and choices that can really benefit your life, choices that can help build your self-esteem. And it's one of the most important attributes of our character that we need to develop today. Because if we're not learning the steps on how to esteem ourselves healthily, if we allow the outside world to esteem us, to make us feel good about ourselves, to make us feel like we're worthy or enough or that we have value, we are setting ourselves up to fail. We are setting ourselves up to crash hard against the reality of life and experience the pain of deep rejection that comes with putting our power, our value, in other people's hands. Now, the self-esteem that we're talking about today and that we're after and what I, I want our conversation with is a, is a self-esteem that's based in and rooted in inner courage. This inner courage to be who you are, exactly as you are, without exception. I want you to be able to direct your soul, your heart, in the direction of the course that you want to go in your life. Now, as the American philosopher William James put it, if you want to re redirect your soul, you make a choice and suffer not one exception. Every choice you make, every single one, has a consequence. We just can't escape that. This is, a, this is an inescapable truth. You cannot escape this law. I mean, even if you are one of those individuals that wants to dissolve into nothingness, you still have to choose that you want to decide to dissolve into nothingness. 
Choice is involved in everything we do. Everything we do. From the, what we time we plan to wake up in the morning to what you're going to wear, if you want to brush your teeth or not, how you're going to get the kids to school, whether you plan to stay or leave your place of work or buy a house or rent an apartment, go on a date, make a marriage proposal, choosing to call someone back or not, everything is a choice. And these choices lead to a whole string of consequences. And if we're not aware of the power that's contained in ourselves by the choices and actions we take, if we're asleep at the wheel, per se, if we're not aware of the choices, how they affect others as well, if we become so self-absorbed in our own world, we will be unconscious and unable to realize that sometimes the choices we make will have tragic consequences and negatively affect those we love the most. Now this summer I've, uh, I've been studying and participating in many of the online courses and workshops offered by Carolyn Miss. Uh, she's a five times uh, New York Times bestselling author and has been a medical intuitive author, educator, and speaker for uh, over 30 years. And she's been really instrumental in helping me to identify in the areas in my life where I'd lost my sense of self-esteem and power. And it's a personal power that we, we, we hemorrhage. And it's through her teachings that I've gained a lot of personal insight into these patterns and self-sabotaging behavior that's been keeping me from living a more authentic life. And so much of what I'm sharing today comes from my distillation of this incredible wisdom she has taught me. And I hope I can do justice in bringing it to you, uh, some of these lessons which uh, I have learned from Carolyn. Now, the self-esteem we're really talking about is how you truly feel about yourself. How do you really feel about yourself? How do you really feel about yourself when you hold back all the different layers, the different roles you play in life. And we play a lot of them every day. And can you get really deep down into that core of you and say, you know, I have a really good regard for myself. Or, you know what, I, I really don't have a good regard for myself. Can you be honest, this honest with you in those deepest of places? Now, self-esteem is connected to the opinion you have of yourself. It's rooted in self-respect. It's your regard for yourself. And if you have to ask, is your regard for yourself strong enough to listen to and act on your own intuition, your internal guidance and inclinations? Now, self-esteem is something that we have to build over time. It's not, it's not something we're born with. You have to construct it on your own. And if we're not given some of these basic tools to understand how we do it, to see and how to recognize how we are sabotaging ourselves along the way, we're going to end up feeling fractured, fragile, and fragmented by the events which happen in our lives that are going to test our mettle and what we're made of. Without a strong sense of self, that a strong backbone where you are weak, spineless, and often fall into this group consciousness 
where we find strength and a sense of self from the group identity. Whether this is a family, a tribe, a religion, a support group, a political party, I mean, the list goes on. In truth, only you can esteem yourself. Only you. Self-esteem and self-pity will compete with each other. Let me repeat that again. Self-esteem and self-pity will compete with each other. you got to get that. And the moment you start descending into self-pity, you're going to go into victim mode. And in that moment, we are going to, you know, when we're in that victim mode, all of a sudden everything, it's, uh, we go into the blame game, and we go into you know, the world's against me, and we can get stuck in that place. And in a moment, we're going to talk about these archetypes. We're going to talk about these archetypal patterns that affect all of us. Now, archetypes, I want to try to get it so that you understand. And archetypes are really cool. They're, 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 it's really fascinating. Basically, they are power patterns. They're everywhere. There are patterns of power that exist all around us. So as an example, if I say to you uh, the word bully, Right now, boom, 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 boom. You know exactly what I'm talking about. All the information that's in the in the word in the about the bully is downloaded into your psychology instantly. You already know the qualities and the characteristics of a bully. That's an archetype. Another archetype is a vampire. Right? That, that all of a sudden you know exactly what's going on, what that quality, what those characteristics are. Being uh, that they have to take other people's blood in order to stay alive. That's an archetype. If I say to you, king, right, boom, you already know the pattern. It's already in you. If I tell you warrior or queen, boom, you already know it. You already know what I'm talking about. And all this information is there in your psyche instantly. You don't even have to think about anything to receive it. It's there. Along with these archetypes are their qualities. They have positive qualities, which we would consider to be the light, and it's negative qualities or shadow qualities, which is the dark. And these are patterns of power which live in all of us, and they play out within us all the time. And now some of us may have, for instance, the entrepreneur, the judge, the advocate, while others may have the rebel, the caretaker, or the magician. One of the examples uh, of the archetypes that I work with in my life is the teacher. Right? I, I know I can teach, I, and I'm good at it. And it's something that I can animate easily. It's just there, especially when I'm in front of a group of people and I'm teaching a class. Other archetypes that I work with are the actor or, and the orator. I, I love public speaking. When I get in front of a crowd, I just I love it. It's something that I can animate. It's just something that I can do and I can do well. Now, but if you ask me to animate the bully, I, I can't do it. I, I just don't have the pattern. I don't have the pattern in me. It's, it's, not, it's not encoded in me. So we all have these unique patterns, these unique, comp unique compositions of archetypal patterns which construct and animates our individual identities. However, there are some archetypal patterns which we all share and are unique to our survival. And I'm going to discuss those in, uh, in just a moment. I just simply wanted you to, you know, to understand and, and to lay the groundwork here 
and the premise from which we're going to build from how we build our self-esteem and how we establish our self-esteem. But before I, I proceed with that, I want to, gosh, I, I read this prayer, and I want to bring this prayer in, and it comes from a book called Prayers for Healing. And I, I think it's really relevant for our topic today. And just, just listen to it. I think you'll, you'll see why I picked it. And while you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul, after a while, you will learn the difference. And you'll learn that love doesn't mean leaning, and company doesn't mean security. And you begin to learn kisses aren't compromises, and presents aren't promises. And you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes ahead. With the grace of a woman, or a man, not the grief of a child. And you learn to build all your loads on today, because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans, and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you ask too much. So you plant your own garden and decorate your own soul instead of waiting for someone to buy you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure, that you really are strong, and you really do have value and worth. And you learn, and you learn, and with every failure, you learn. Isn't that beautiful? It's just beautiful. I mean, when I heard uh, when I heard it, I just knew as I was preparing for the show that I, d I had to share it with you. Uh, it's signed anonymous. It's an anonymous prayer. Anyway, when I was uh, when I was very young, <clears throat> I had a very clear and distinct uh, memory of knowing. Uh, and I, you know, and I don't know where this came from, but I had a very distinct knowing, and it was very strong in me that everybody knew the right thing to do. We all we all know what the right thing to do is, and I just felt deeply that there was this inherent goodness in everybody. And my conscience was really developed at a high level at a very young age. And I believed without question that people innately knew good from bad. And that if you hurt somebody, you owned up to it. You took responsibility. And you held yourself accountable. You were accountable for your actions, no one else. Unless you were under forced coercion to violate your own moral code. And this early moral code preceded any kind of religious studies or ethics training that I had in school. It was just in me. It was, it was already there. And it was an inner virtue to always, always do your best. Always give your best. You give the best that you can. Your optimal best. Not your perfect best, because, you know, perfect doesn't really exist, but your optimal best to do, and your effort to do good. And find that optimal choice in every circumstance or situation. That's what was asked of us. And so I believe we're born with this innate understanding of the nature of life. And for example, we know by instinct, by instinct, not to kill another human being. Now defending ourselves is a different story. We have to choose to violate this basic instinct, our own instinct, and it's a process 
of overriding our instinct to kill is, you know, uh, it's a process. And it's with all these justifications and reasons for killing. You know, I'm not here to judge right or wrong. I'm just merely pointing out this inner truth of how we are wired. Now, very often, self-esteem is understood to be acquired from something outside of ourselves. In our lower selves, our baser selves, we acquire it by punishing others or getting even, retaliating and getting revenge. When we're operating from this level, we haven't learned yet or haven't chosen to take the high road and stand our ground out of dignity and reverence of our own soul. This is a base, very basic way to acquire esteem for oneself. And it's learned. And it's a really important to, here to point out that there are three different kinds of self-esteem. There's the physical, there's the inner, and then there's the mystical. And the ones I want to point out today and focus on are the physical self-esteem and the inner self-esteem. Physical self-esteem occurs when we place power as outside of ourselves, whether that's relationships, a job, money, career, the good opinion of others. It, and that's when we place it outside of ourselves, this power is outside of us. And when we succeed in our attempts, we are given power back. Right? The power has to be taken from the world in order for us to feel safe and secure, admired, and or recognized. When we talk about inner self-esteem, that's when we recognize that the power is within us. It is our value of ourselves, our good feeling about ourselves, the strong sense of who we are, without needing anything outside of us to give it to us. And that becomes the most important thing which governs our lives. This is a really important part to get. It is very important to understand that power is the fundamental ingredient in the human experience. Some may call it energy and the exchange of energy. What you're really exchanging is power. It is a power exchange. We're exchanging power constantly. Every choice we make has some calculation of power involved. Sometimes it's internal, as when you're sitting with friends and sharing your stories. And sometimes it's external, as in the exchange of money for services. Our words have power. You don't realize how much power they have. One word, one word can change everything. One word, one word of truth can change everything. And a cruel, a cruel phrase like, you suck, or, you know, I, I don't love you anymore. That can bring you down. Now, if your sense of self is fragile and weak, and is based upon the physical impressions, outside influences, and or the approval of others, you will break and you will crack under the pressure. In a single moment, you can be brought down to a place of self-pity, loathing, guilt, recrimination, and all the feelings and negative sense of being unworthy, unlovable, and unimportant. Set up that way. If your esteem, if your sense of self is defined by how others treat you and their response to you, 
you are inevitably going to be hurt by someone. It's inevitable. They may betray you, break your trust, abandon you, desert you, abuse you. And this will crush you. Your spirit and your whole identity connected to this person and all persons will fundamentally change to the point where you are forced to reevaluate your entire inner world and the way it has been constructed. Now, for those of you who have experienced any kind of betrayal in your life, whether it's from an intimate partner, a friend, a family member, a company, a corporation, the military, the government, whenever you experience that, and we all do, this is a universal experience, there is a fundamental break in the ability to trust. And sadly, this leads to the belief that you will never be able to trust another human being again or another institution, or whatever. And then we become, as a consequence of this, a darker version of ourselves where we decide we must take what we can get from the world around us. Our survival instinct is tainted, and we make this choice in order to make it in this cold, cruel world. I must take what I want, no matter who it hurts along the way. And I must protect myself. Otherwise, the world will destroy me. We become damaged by these actions. Damaged people damage people. And so, when we are confronted with one of these major initiations, with one of these major shadow initiations, it sets us on a fork in the road. Which way am I going to go? Because I got hurt and wounded. Does that give me the justification and the reasons to act from that wounded place? Or am I going to be able to choose and find a different way? Resist acting from my woundedness and take the steps necessary to reclaim my own sense of my goodness, my integrity, my decency, my honesty, my courage, my humility, and a faith in myself to get me through whatever challenges come before me. When you experience betrayal or any other kind of abandonment of what is right, and now the ancient Greeks called this anathema, which means that which goes against the right way. It calls for us to dig deep and bring forth within us that best version of ourselves to face the initiation of these dark powers, to bring light into these dark places, and in the end, convert it into something new. This is a challenge, a challenge for all of us. It's not easy. And so many of us have experienced uh, betrayals on so many different levels in our lives. And on the very core of this, at the very core of what it is, it's a, it's a fundamental inability to trust. We can't trust. We don't trust anyone or anything. And then this carries out into our daily lives in a variety of different ways. In business, for example, our basic assumption, and this is the consciousness of our lower selves, the consciousness of survival in the physical world, is that the person across from you is dishonest. We transfer this basic dishonesty, this basic assumption on our politicians, our relationships, our families, 
that essentially there's no point of integrity, no point in honesty, no point in a moral conscience in a person sitting opposite us. That's the truth. And it's sad. I want to go back to these archetypes for a second. These patterns of power. These pattern, these archetypes are like, um, they're like magnets and they will pull and animate your very being. And if you're paying attention, you can tell when a person <clears throat> is being possessed by one of their archetypes. For example, the, their inner wounded child. Okay. Now suddenly the man or the woman in front of you is acting out and pouting and throwing tantrums and wanting to have their way. They become unreachable. And it's impossible to reason with someone who's caught up in their wounded inner child. Impossible. You just can't. And these archetypal patterns can be very, very strong. And both men and women are affected by them. The physical world is where these episodes play out, and it's in the inner world where they are interpreted. And it's very important to understand that darkness, evil, and we all have the capacity to do dark things, will come in and through your weakness. It will inspire your weakness to act. The dark will present a rational idea to you that makes it seem like the right thing to do the rational thing to do, which is to act against your own goodness, the goodness of in your nature. And at that moment, that's how darkness or evil grabs you. And we all have this capacity. If you deny it, it makes it worse because it cuts you off from your conscience. The dark will be drawn to the weakest part of you. And that part is the need to win, to punish, to be cruel, to be unkind, to envy, all that is linked to low and weak self-esteem. When you are saying, don't you see how much pain I'm in? See what all these other people did to me? Only with someone, only someone who has a strong sense of self will get that you are dealing with a dog that is unwilling to give up a bone. It is up to you to see it as it is, for what it is. Get it, get up, walk away from the hurt, and let it go. You have to get to a point where you can be honest with yourself, and you say, you know what, I made a judgment call. I made a judgment call, and this is the consequence of my judgment and my choice. You've got to give yourself the time and space to regroup. Reassess your participation in the event or events and make a new decision, a new choice, that this will never, ever happen again, and that these hasty choices have negative consequences. You've got to get the lesson learned. You come at it from a higher perspective. Only good stuff can come of it, and you will esteem yourself. One of the things I find so fascinating about our society, including myself, is everyone wants to speak their truth. I got to speak my truth, my truth. Yet these truths change like the wind. This is a really important thing to get. Truth never punishes. Truth never punishes. Lies do. When we are speaking in terms of the truth, my truth, right? 
That truth, you notice it changes from one day to the next. Speaking my truth is oftentimes a lot of nonsense. It's filled with emotions, it's filled with wounds, it's filled with uh, judgments, and your truth will change. The idea is really to start speaking the truth. That's the goal. That's the challenge. Because the truth always is. It never changes. And one of the first places to begin when you're looking at where do I derive my sense of self, my self-esteem, how do I esteem it? Is it from outside sources or is it from within? The idea here is to get to learn how to manage the boundaries of your own soul. And get to that high voltage truth which is guiding, which is your guiding power through life. It lives in you. So questions asked. You know, what is my sense of self based on? What is it? What is my sense of self based on? For me, for example, I'm an educator, an orator, an actor, a healer, a mystic, a family man, soon to be yoga instructor, uh, and I'm a writer. Right? These are things which contribute to my sense of self. At the same time, once you identify those things, you need to look at the areas where you're losing power. Where am I focusing my mind too much that has absolute control over me? For example, you could have some unfinished business in a broken relationship. Or money issues. Or maybe you have too much debt and it's weighing you down. Or, you know, maybe computers. <laughs> When I, uh, when I, when I look at computers, uh, and I'm trying to improve my, my, uh, my, my, um, skills at them, I, I just short circuit. And, and, uh, you know, just the way it is. Or procrastinating, that's another one. You know, do, choosing to do things at a later time and never getting to it. There's so many ways in which we can be losing personal power and or giving your power away. You can even have psychic addictions. Where you are like um, like a masochist, you know, you're constantly in this caught in this pain pleasure cycle. You're thinking about an issue for so long, you know, and problems for months and months, and it will completely incapacitate you. So this whole process that you're asking these questions is to help you identify that which is you, that which is you, and that which is causing you to slow down. See, and to find out what it is in your past, in your history, in your memories, and the current issues that are slowing you down. And that is, when you find the places that are slowing us down, this is where your personal power is hemorrhaging. You want to be fully in charge of the power and of the choices that you make. You want to be fully in charge of that. That's the bottom line. If you're caught up in all these other things, you're not fully present. In this state, you can't make the best choice. You can't make the optimal choice. In this state, you're just you're, you're, you're caught in somebody else's world. You've got to be the captain of your own ship. That's you. There's no one else. And if you, and if you aren't making the right choices for you, then you are allowing outside people and other influences to dictate and govern your life. It's your life. Remember that. Now, Carolyn says, I love this, I love this quote, the conflicts we get into are essentially the same thing. It is about your power of choice and someone violating that power. Someone trying to take that power of choice from you in some way. 
The sacredness of self-esteem is the capacity to take full charge of your choice. A choice. Because it is your capacity to manage the forces of creation by your choices as it runs through your incarnation. It's your capacity to manage the mystical laws of cause and effect through which every single choice is made. End quote. Isn't that great? Thus, it is important to begin to ask yourself, what kind of choices am I making that are producing the consequences in my life? If I'm not satisfied and I'm not getting the results I want, and there's something not right in me, what kind of choices am I making that are contributing to this? What are the choices that I'm consistently making which produce these consequences? You want to be willing to be honest with yourself. Brutally honest. And ask yourself these kinds of questions without any judgment and without any shame. Don't go into a shame-based system. You're trying to understand why you do the things that you do. And uncovering the patterns underlying your choices. And when you discover the patterns, now, now you can make the decision, the decision to break it or not. One of these lectures, uh, series that Carolyn put together, she identified these four archetypes, four basic archetypes, which all of us have and were a fundamental test in the development of ourself. And it's a series of initiations that we all have to go through, which are embodied in the nature of these archetypes. The tests are about survival in the physical world. We all experience it. And one of the four archetypes is the prostitute. Every one of us has to figure a way, and this is the test of the prostitute, how we are going to survive in this world. Without selling out your creativity, your intellect, who you are and what you stand for, your ideas, your choice, your emotions, your heart, your body, and very often, very often, we sell out. We sell out our power of choice because we have, we have mouths to feed. And need to hold on to a job. Or we are in order to stay in a relationship because we fear being alone. We fear the rejection or the prospects of being out on the streets. Essentially, though, you are giving your, somebody else your power to create. To create matter. To turn energy into form. One of the highest laws to understand is that energy comes before matter. When you give your power of choice away, you are no longer participating in the dynamic of that energy coming into matter and are being, and being a part of it as a co-creator of this physical universe or your life. The archetype of the prostitute is what we will compromise, what we will compromise, what we will negotiate in order to find safety in the physical world. When this energy pattern becomes a part of you, when it dominates you, this compromise of your values, it becomes a pattern of personal betrayal. You make choices in order to satisfy something else but what is really right for you. And a lot of times people won't want to make the changes in their life because they are afraid of what the changes will bring with it. They are afraid to change. So they'll stay in a lousy marriage, or they'll stay in a lousy job, or they'll stay in a particular situation 
because of the security. Well, unfortunately, it's not really the package that we really want. So that's the prostitute. The next archetype to look at and understand is the saboteur. And this energy pattern tends to come in right before we have to make a choice, a big choice. And you feel like you've got a lot of momentum going in one direction in your life, and all of a sudden, you lose interest. This gets too hard. You sabotage yourself. And then afterwards, you shame yourself and ask questions like, why, why would I sabotage myself? Why would I make choices, imagine other things for me, and then destroy it? Why would I make a choice and, 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 and do that to myself? Why would I do that? And, not, and because what, and we do this by not trusting in the light, by not trusting in love, by not trusting in that other person, the group, our dreams, etc. And this happens because we have really, we have, we really haven't gotten to a point where you can esteem yourself to make a choice and see it to the end because you're, you're so grounded in who and what you are. I want to, uh, Take a quick break and make uh, an announcement that uh, we are broadcasting the show on KUHSDenver.com. KUHSDenver.com. We are broadcasting live here from uh, Denver, Colorado. We're broadcasting not only here in Denver, but all around the world. It's the place to go. We have the best music, the best shows, and I uh, really appreciate all of you tuning in you know, from all around the world, um, listening to the council. Without you, uh, this show wouldn't be possible. And uh, I really want to thank each one of you personally. I want to do a little segue here uh, from the archetypes and talk about forgiveness. Sometimes, sometimes forgiveness can be really hard. It can be really hard. Forgiving someone who's hurt you very deeply, it's difficult. Because when we injure someone, when we sin against them, and I'm, yes, I'm using the word sin because that's the language of the soul. Sin is also an archery term. It means you miss the mark. Right? It is an error that needs correction. It's a sin, an error, is something that we do knowingly. We knowingly do this, and it's conscious. And you choose to do something that somebody else pays for, and you know it. Or you do something that you know will harm another person. And you know it's going to harm them, but it doesn't stop you. It's a conscious act of harming another human being. And that harm, you can't take back. As Plato says, once what is done, it can never be made undone. It was a conscious. That, that person was harmed. You knew it. And we're not interested in the excuse because we are dealing with the actual moment of the choice. And in that moment of choice, it really could have gone either way. And I recognize this truth in my own life. When I made choices that hurt other people, I remember all along the way, up until before that moment happened, I could have turned away. I could have turned away. But I didn't. And it's in that moment of choice that your angel is on one shoulder and it's saying, be careful. Are you really sure you want to do this? And we don't listen. We don't listen. We, we choose not to hear it. We, we don't trust that life. And we pay the consequence. And the only way you can ever really release yourself from that 
is to actually use that word sin. It doesn't mean you're going to hell in damnation. That's not what it's about. It's acknowledging it's a soul wound. A wound to the immortal part of you, not the mortal. I sinned against you. I violated my soul. I violated yours. This is not a boo-boo that a band-aid can cover. It's a soul wound. And it's not any other kind. And when we use that soul language, that's when healing can begin, really. Otherwise, there's no rest. There's not really any rest for the soul. And that's why when people hurt, who've hurt us and express that they are sorry, and they say something like, I'm sorry that I hurt you, the injured person is not completely satisfied. And the reason is, is because you know it was conscious. And they really don't own that. They, they do not own that part. And it's the lie that when they say, I never meant to hurt you, you know that's a lie. Because what was really going on in them is this. I knew this was going to hurt you. And you know what? It didn't stop me. And on some level, that's what you really want to hear. That they are conscious. That they recognize, God, I really screwed up and I was conscious. And it was conscious. That you didn't matter enough to them to make them stop. You didn't matter. And they went through with it anyway. And it's often followed by excuses of what happened in their childhood or what happened in their adulthood or in other relationships. And, and both could all be very true. But the fact of the matter is, it was a choice. And they could have chosen differently. They could have chosen differently. They deliberately did that. And the clever ones, don't blame you for it, they make it your fault. It's your fault I did this. Folks, there's only one, one way out, and that's the only. Apologies are not enough to heal. It takes effort to heal broken trust. It takes effort, and most of the time, you're not going to get that. But forgiveness is also recognizing, and this is, this is important to get if you're, never, if you're having a hard time forgiving, is that something dark has been awakened in you. All of a sudden, the very things that you're accusing them of being, all of a sudden, you are doing. And it's an archetypal dynamic where you hit me and I'm going to return my pain to you. I'm going to show you how much you hurt me. And so this desire to punish them becomes an all-consuming idea. Vengefulness is the predator in you. It's insatiable. And until you recognize what the episode or episodes has brought out in you, you will continue with your unquenchable desire to retaliate in some way. That's where forgiveness comes in and says, Oh my God, oh my God, I, I look what you have woken up inside of me. Look what you brought out in me. I'm as bad as you. Look what has what this has made me become. I didn't know I had this dark, mean, cruel streak inside of me. I didn't until you did this to me. And at that point, it doesn't matter what brought it out. It doesn't matter. I'm a vengeful person. And so forgiveness comes in and says, I can't keep doing this vengeful thing. I can't keep doing it. I'm, a, I'm as dark as you. I'm done with hitting back. 
I'm going to say goodbye. This is going to take a lot of doing here, but I'm going to put my darkness on the cross. I've got to do whatever I need to do to calm this part of me. I've got to rid my desire, myself, of the desire to retaliate. And I, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I need to crucify that need to destroy you. I can see now through my awareness, my capacity to harm you. But I'm a weapon. But I'm going to use love as a weapon. And that's not going to happen. It stops with me. That's what you brought out. And you forgive them. They serve this. This is now about me, and I'm going to go off the radar. And when I'm done, I'm resurrecting, and I'm going to keep moving forward. When you understand forgiveness on that level, you will be more willing to make that choice to forgive because it's really about you. It's not about them anymore. It's about you. You have to finish this now. You have to ask yourself, where did I sin or violate a core principle in myself? Where did you make an error against yourself along the way? Where did you violate your integrity? What has, what has been based on integrity? And, and you stay out. There's no relationship until you, you esteem yourself. Until you esteem yourself. Until you understand your parameters, your boundaries, and where they come from. And understand, where do you start compromising yourself? And these are some of the deep questions that you will help you to grow and transcend the effects of these experiences and to move into this next stage of your life with grace and dignity and compassion. Okay, so now let's get back to the archetypes I was describing. I, I, uh, I can't believe how fast the show goes. So, uh, back to the archetypes. The saboteur archetype. This is when opportunities come your way to empower yourself, to understand something very profound or deep, which will help to animate a deep truth within you. And you know, by the way you are designed, that if you make that step here to advance, to propel yourself forward, then your world is going to change. And that's the moment we will choose to sabotage ourselves. Every time you are asked a question to tell the truth, the saboteur is going to be there. And let's be clear, if we're not speaking the truth, that's, that's on you. That's on me. I've been examining my life and my choices very closely, too. There are areas in my life where I wasn't speaking the truth, and boy, I paid the price. No one put a gag order on me, and no one's putting a gag order on you either. If you're not choosing to represent your feelings, your thoughts, your opinions, your hopes, your dreams, etc., it's no one else's fault. And when we do this, we are choosing to victimize ourselves. Just like I was choosing to victimize myself in my experiences. And we all have to have the courage to appraise our own circumstances and how we contributed to it. How you wrote it. The handiwork and the events that unfolded. Now the third archetype, which I've already hinted at, is the inner child archetype. Or the wounded inner child. And everyone has it. And in particular, the wounded inner child is very prevalent in our culture. The nature child is another. And the wounded child is rebellious. It's invisible. It's nature. It originates in feelings of it or experiences of abandonment, abuse, being unloved, to the, to the extent that we can't get over it. And the tactics that the wounded child employs is rage on family and loved ones, becoming irrational. And literally, 
becoming a child. And a wounded child seeks to wound others. So as we're developing our self-esteem, we've got to be aware of any out-of-control behavior we may be subjected to or act on. It must be recognized and brought under self-control. The last of the four archetypes is the victim. Now, the victim archetype speaks self-pity. I've been hurt. Can't you see how hurt I am? And now you're going to have to suffer because of all the pain that I've experienced in my life. You are going to have to carry my wounds. And if I lash out, you are just going to have to deal with it because that's my identity. We very easily can be caught up in the victim identity. It gives us, ironically, significance. You can't imagine without it. I mean, who would I be without it? I mean, this is not to diminish the horrible things that people have gone through. It's important to process it, to grieve, to tell your story, to you know, unlock all of the pain that's trapped in there and allow for healing to happen. That's important. You've got to address those and acknowledge it and tell your story. But it's when we stay stuck in the victim mode that it becomes toxic and detrimental to our lives. The victim can position us to learn from our experiences. And we need to find ways to protect ourselves so we are not victimized again. Now, hell for a Buddhist is different than it is for Judeo-Christian. Their version of hell is when a person has no power over anything, where, they ha where there is no choice at all. With the victim archetype, one has to choose to withdraw from the perception and animate another one which says, I can't afford to keep this thought animated. It's poisonous to me. I gotta get out of this. I have to empower myself. I refuse to go there. And at some point you have to decide it no longer serves me to stay stuck. I've got to empower myself and move beyond this to something healthier and better for me. Folks, we can't have two standards. We can't expect to live up to their, we can't expect people to live up to their word if you don't follow it for you. If you don't do the same. You, you can't hold anybody accountable for their word if you can't hold yourself accountable to yourself. You just can't. And that's one of the first things you must do as you begin to esteem yourself is you've got to be able to keep your word to yourself. That's the one place to begin and start establishing what are my parameters. I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. And these are not the non-negotiables. These are the values that you set in your soul. Maybe one of those values is that you, you, you don't ever betray me. That means you can't betray yourself first. It's a value in your soul. It starts with you. So today, more than ever, we need community. We need to be responsible. We need integrity. We need to speak the truth. And we need to hold ourselves accountable to our actions, both good and bad. We need to re-regulate our consciences to doing what is right, what is good, and what is noble. The remedy for victimization is self-esteem. It's the need to esteem you, to have self-respect. And as I've come to learn, self-respect is everything. If you've got that, you can do just about anything. And you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to have the courage to be you. And that's a very vulnerable and scary place. 
It's about finding a new center, a new gravity center in you, within you. It's defined by you. Now, it's amazing to, to think about this whole idea of the inner self, right? This inner self, what is that? It, it's something that came about as people were trying to make contact with some kind of inner guidance, to be in touch with an inner sacred world. And it's a journey that often begins when a challenge comes into a person's life. They discover this inner self as a consequence of trauma or an isolating experience or some kind of challenge or initiation. And prior to this, it's usually all about the physical world and getting our needs met there. Survival, shelter, food, sex, security, and the survival of the tribe. When the inner world is opened up to you through some of these different gateways, basically the safety net of life has to fail you in some way in the physical world, and which draws you to the inner resources for yourself. And when we go into the inner world, we arrive at the fourth chakra, the chakra system, which is your heart. And usually we find a dung heap of our emotional life in there that has been formed by the tribe of our life. And there's a lot to do to become our purified version of ourselves. We have to dig through and uncover a lot of unprocessed and undigested emotions. We basically are learning the depth of our own emotional nature. And this can be messy. And it's something we all have to go through when we choose to engage the inner sanctum of our inner life. And the process has us separate our emotions from our tribe from the tribe, and we are going through basically collecting all of our different fragments. One of the challenges is not to take anything personal, which can be very hard because most of these are personal experiences. You want to get to a place, hopefully, where these experiences become just a part of your story, just a story that made you. And the goal is to get to a place where you're no, you are no longer affected by the things which happen around you or that anything that has happened to you. You can fully participate in life, but it's not going to cause you to fall apart. This causes pain, and I feel pain, but it's not mine. It's a big concept, and not all of us give there. It's an idea of being in the world, but not of it. And both Jesus and Buddha taught this in their respective teachings. Now, it's a journey of going through the different areas of your life which need to be integrated and assimilated back into your identity. And this inner self can be your best asset or your worst aggressor because it has all different kinds of ways of expressing itself. And the inner self speaks often in narratives. You know, a classic example would be someone who just got married and suddenly saying, oh my gosh, I need all my, I need space, I need some space. Your inner self uh, is suddenly cries out about all these unmet needs, 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 needs. I'm sensitive. I need this. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. And it all blends into this idea of our self-esteem. And it can be very confusing and frustrating for all involved. I want you to remember, though, that lying is the language below the waist. People don't understand how damaging this is to their immune systems, to their psyche, to the trust level in your relationships. Whenever you are manipulating and maneuvering power and control, 
all these things, it's really detrimental to your whole system. You cannot be deceptive, deceptive to your own psychic field. It is essential to be exactly who you are. We're reading people all the time. When you're people watching in the airport, you're reading people. When you meet somebody for the first time, you're reading them. And they're reading you. The person opposite of you is reading you loud and clear, even if you are lying. No one is getting away with everything. Everything is known. So, say what you want to say. Don't hide behind your inner needs or whatever is keeping you from being authentic and true. And one of the things we must learn to do is to decide what it is I need to let go of. What is not enhancing my self-esteem? What part of me or parts of me are, are esteemed through my wounds? Where am I finding esteem because of my woundedness? That's the lesser part of me. That's not going to be an asset. That's a liability. You want to know what a sense of self really feels like for you. What is your sense of self? And when you do, you will be able to say, you know what, that's, that's me. And that's not me. I mean, I want that, but that's really not me. I, I, I can't go that way. This is me. This is me. And you learn how to discern what you have to do rather than what you want to do. When you get that, you start to develop an inner maturity. Now, the ego is going to operate from its wounds. By the way, folks, it's nothing wrong to have a healthy ego. We're not going to get anywhere with your potential in life without a healthy ego. Now, these are red flags. Whenever they, someone says to you, one must dissolve their ego into the greater collective. I, you know what? I understand what you're saying. However, without an ego, we can't collapse our identity into a personality. And as a consequence, we'll end up in a cycle. You've got to explore your ego without shame and own it. Very often those with you talk about how bad the ego is are usually those who have the biggest ones. Now there is a shadow ego. There is, and it's no doubt about that. And we see it, and we witness it all the time. All the time. It's ugly. It's narcissistic. It's self-aggrandizing. It's ugly. But there is also a healthy ego which allows you to move and grow and helps you to actualize your fullest potential. But if you're going to operate from that place of your ego, from its wounds, you will attract things into your life from your fracturedness. And if you are fractured, you will make fractured decisions. Because you're coming from the wounds, and the wounds are calling all the shots. And you will be attracted to others because of their wounds and what is going on within them. And unconsciously, you will engage in some kind of archetypal fantasy like the princess and the knight, or the rescuer and the damsel in distress. It's important to understand that rescuing is not love. It's not how it works. Oftentimes a rescuer wants to say, look, look what I did for you. Look what I did. Why don't you love me? That's not how it works. The lover archetype is what gets animated when you fall in love, not the rescuer. If you have this pattern in you, you got to understand what it is and how it affects your relationships. 
one of the things as we start to close the show today that I really want you to get is don't be someone you are not. Don't be someone you are not. Be who you are and be it fully. That's what self-esteem is all about, to be who you are without worrying about what anybody else thinks or says. Not what somebody else wants you to be. Now, another key requirement in establishing a solid sense of self is knowing how to set boundaries. When we look at it from the physical world, the lower world, boundaries are about controlling others and how they behave towards us. You can't treat me that way. You can't talk to me that way. These are expressions and boundaries that we place in order to control the behaviors of others towards you. Now, when you are setting your boundaries from your inner life, it's about controlling yourself. It's about how far am I going to go? What is it I'm going to say? It's about me choosing not to gossip. It's about me staying faithful and committed to a partner and keeping the trust and fidelity. It's about me staying true to my values. Boundaries are managed by what your values are. And guess what? It's not about anybody else's business. It's between you, your inner being, and God. It's up to you to maintain those principles. It's between you and you. And you establish them. It's up to you. What is my integrity based on? What is my sense of honesty based on? What's my sense of compassion based on? And if you cross them, that's between you and you. You have to learn how to manage the darkness that is in you until eventually that darkness is finally converted into light. The development of esteem through empowered choices is a journey. It's not already built, like I said before. And if you're not consciously engaged with the scaffolding of your self-esteem, and you elect to stay within a tribal consciousness, which is usually identified with your family roots and traditions, the tribe is going to manage your decisions, your values, your likes and dislikes, who you can love and who you can't. The tribe will determine your fate. This is all about a process called individuation. individuation. And the process of individuation involves breaking from the tribal consciousness where you are withdrawing into yourself and questioning what it is I believe. Is this true for me? And you start probing into your nature, the very nature of who you are, and you're cleaning out the things which no longer define you, not because they're wrong, but because you've ex expanded beyond the limitations these beliefs held for you. An example for me would be I no longer believe there is only one pathway to God. My travels around the world and visiting with other cultures changed my perception. I began to notice the inherent beauty and sacredness of all these various religious traditions, and I thought to myself, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge if, these, if the basis of all of them is love, and it is, then let me embrace them all and find the cord which links them all together. My choice has not gone unrewarded. So this is just one example of how you peel back the layers, constantly asking yourself, is this true or is this not true for me? And why? And how can I look at life from their shoes? What might, I be, what might they be able to teach me if I just quiet the judgments in my head about what I think and simply listen? Listen. This technique has allowed me to open up in ways I, I could never have imagined. And when you are individuating, you're stretching your heart, your mind, and the world that lives behind your eye. 
It's got to be about how you see the world. And then, how does all of this fit in my inner world? Now, I like to say to my clients and the people in the classes I teach, you've got to learn to define you by you. You, you. No one else, no one else is allowed to be in your command center. You are the captain of your ship, and if you're not directing it, who is? Who is? The individuation process can be painful as you continue to pull back all these different layers and say, well, this is what I believe, and this is what I don't believe, and this is true, and this is not true. You are engaging in the dismantling of all that you aren't in order to get to the core of who you are. Because ultimately, what, when all is said and done, you have to approve of you. You are going to be with you 24-7 for the rest of your life. You might as well be your best friend, your biggest advocate. When you fully approve of yourself, then heaven doesn't have to compete with anybody. And then life begins to unfold in a magical way. When you have great self-esteem, it changes your biology, your neurology, your health, your psychology, your immune system, your psychic field, your intuitive field, your sensitivity to the foods, and the relationship between your fate and destiny. Fate is a we, and destiny is not. When you have low self-esteem, you don't have the courage to follow your own heart. The choices you make are riddled with doubt, and you fall back on the group and let the we make the choices for you. When your self-esteem is grounded and firm, you take back your power from the group and empower your choices. And then the I, that is you, creates your destiny. I choose my destiny. If you concede your power of choice, by default, you relinquish your fate to the we. Choose to be your own person. Choose to be your own person. Then the opportunities in your life are yours. It changes your relationships and the inner dynamics operating them, and some of them will become untenable, while new ones will open up. Folks, self-esteem is the powerhouse of your life. I really want you to get this. It is the battery of your life, and it's important to develop it, understand it, challenge it when it pulls you off course, to work with it, train it, to become intimate with it. Discover for yourself the values you have, which are non-negotiable, that you will not compromise on. When you can hold yourself accountable to the values identified, then you have an inner authority to hold others accountable as well to the same standard. All esteem is based on knowing your values, not your boundaries. This is who and what I am. This is what I stand for. This is what all the great masters and teachers and great leaders, individuals throughout history had a grounded, firm sense of self. This is what stands, this is what I stand for, and this is what I live for. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. These are just a few examples of the many of what I'm talking about. You've got to recognize as well that feelings have nothing to do with the truth. You can feel all that you want to feel, but that's got nothing to do with the truth. 
This is actually Buddha's wisdom. He said we have to be detached to let go of our cravings. And then we will be able to see things as they are. The truth. He says have no attachments. And that's a really hard concept to, to, to wrap your head around. And, you know, I haven't gone there by any stretch of the imagination. It's a, you know, it's a work in progress. And there, for me, I like to think and talk about a non-attached attachment, which means to, to be able to fully attach to the life you live, while at the same time recognize the impermanence of everything. Change is constant. And death is going to smile at us all. All we can do is smile back. There was a Buddhist monk named Sen Tsian, and I totally mispronounced that, who lived around 700 of the Common Era, wrote, If you want the truth to stand clear before you, never be for or against. The struggle between for and against is the mind's worst disease. End quote. That's a concept... A, that's a hard concept, but it's a concept of non-duality, moving beyond the opposites and seeing what truly is. You know, not all of us get that. You know, sometimes it's sometimes we just get a fleeting moment where you can actually see things clearly. Uh, for my birthday this month, I um I went hiking in the mountains and uh, went up this beautiful hike and I came up to this waterfall and. You know, it was one of these moments where everything was perfect. You know, everything was well. You know, there was nothing that needed to be changed. Everything was in order. My mind was quiet. I wasn't a for the waterfall. I wasn't against the waterfall. You know, just, just what, just is what it is. And I was a part of it. And that was enough. That was enough. And I think that's what it is. I think that's the, that's the satisfaction that comes when you, when you get to that place where you look to the truth and the reality of everything that is. And you find that in those brief, brief fleeting moments. So before we close out the show, uh, I just want to give you a few little things to help you maintain watch over yourself as you develop a sense of your own personal integrity, esteem, and honesty, and courage, and intuitive guidance. Just find something simple to say to yourself, like a simple, simple prayer or mantra, which you can use anytime throughout the day. And this is one of the ones I got from the lectures uh, I listened to over the summer, and it's, and it's worked so well for me, and I would like to share with you as well. It's a simple prayer. Hover over me, God. That's it. Hover over me, God. Lead me not into temptation. That's it. And then you make, you take your life moment by moment by moment. Choice by choice by choice. Recognizing that the empowered choices esteems you. Empowered choices esteems you. So ask yourself, every time, is this an empowering choice or a disempowering choice? What is this choice going to cost me? Is this choice going to cost me my soul? Is this going to alter who I am if I make this choice? Am I willing to bear the consequences of this choice no matter what? And ask for help. Ask for grace. 
to descend upon you in your times of need. All this talk today about self-esteem is designed to get you to know yourself. Know yourself. Really begin to know yourself. Know who you are. It's the greatest thing, the greatest gift you can give the world in times like this. Folks, we're out of time, uh, over time. I apologize for uh, holding you uh, over. I want to thank you all for tuning in into the council today and sharing your Friday, your time with me. Uh, the show wouldn't be possible without you. And I want to thank KUHS Denver.com for hosting this show and allowing me the opportunity to share uh, share the wisdom that I've learned and to bring the guests that I've brought on to help to enlighten and to improve and hopefully to bring hope to your lives. We will be back on <clears throat> in a few weeks uh, with another wonderful, fantastic show for you. I just want to wish all of you a safe Labor Day weekend uh, and uh, uh, be safe and enjoy your time with your families. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Uh, the council is adjourned. God bless you, everyone. We will be back in a few weeks. Stay tuned. Thank you. Okay, folks, we are just about done and getting ready to close out on the council today. I want to thank all of you for tuning in uh, from around the world. Um, see you in a few weeks. God bless.